Our mini series of interviews continues with an exploration into the motivation to relocate, relocate and teach internationally. We are sitting down with several international educators to examine how careers and interests have been shaped by decisions to teach abroad. We look at the positives of teaching internationally, as well as the challenges our educators have experienced along the way. We are delighted to be speaking to Barry Cooper, Principal with Global College Madrid and an experienced lead in the development and opening of new schools. Welcome, Barry. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I first wanted to ask you, what motivated you to leave a teaching position in the UK for your first international position in Shanghai? I, I, it's that whole thing of adventure, excitement, you know, a, a Jedi craves not these things, but I think I think I did. Um, uh, so my, my wife and I were, we've been in the same place for, for 10 years mm-hmm. and um, uh, we just thought, you know, well, let's, let's go for it. Let's make a change. And things were opening up in China. There's lots of uh, new schools opening and it just mm-hmm. seems, you know, an, an ideal opportunity to, to really kind of throw off the shackles of, of what can be, um, you know, a, it can, can be a job for life, especially working in the independent sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we took the risk and haven't looked back. Oh, fantastic. And um, Shanghai, what was what kind of drew you there specifically or, you know, I think I think it's a, it's a combination of different things. We'd visited China before, so we knew what we were getting ourselves into kind of to an extent, culturally, linguistically, etc. Um, the uh, the school was um, uh, kind of in the process of opening. So they opened their first year and they were looking for people to come on board to open the, the second phase. So IB Diploma. And working with that was something I would always wanted to do. I'd done a series of studies on on it for the the school I was working at. I was an academic director um, there, and um, it was it was an opportunity to to try new things and to do new things. But also being in you know what is very much the heart of of China. You yeah, know, all roads lead to to Shanghai, um, mm. and it was you know three years I absolutely do not regret because we we had. A lot of fun i learned a lot and that's, a, that's mm. a, i think it's a key thing of, of going overseas uh and the opportunities for you know exploring the region and I, you need to consider china as a region because it's i mean it's the size of continental europe plus mm. more yeah uh, so you know traveling across china traveling to korea and japan and southeast asia and, and further afield was a real you know chance to 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 spread our wings and and get a better sense of what we we wanted mm. Uh, that kind of in, leads into a question then about kind of the highlights that you experienced then. And with that, what were also some of the challenges of teaching internationally? Crikey. Well, the, I think I think the highlights is, is always the, the people you're working with um, mm. and the, the families that you get to meet and also the, the ability to, to explore you know, a new culture, mm. a new way of doing things um, and also a new approach to your practice, you know, being, a, being an educator. There are certain things that you expect. There are certain mm-hmm. approaches, certain cultural approaches, certain cultural nuances, maybe. Um, and those are different in, in country to country. Um, and when you head overseas, you have to get used to that very quickly. And you have to think about the people you have in front of you. So I think, you know, working overseas immediately makes you much more reflective mm-hmm. as, a, as a teacher and makes you uh, look um, to to the, the students you have with you and not necessarily teach to the middle, but 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 think about the wider kind of understanding they have of why they're there. Mm. I think one of the other things, I mean, in terms of, you know, the, I mean, I've talked about the benefits, but I think the, the challenges are, you know, the obvious ones that leap up are the, um, you know, what, what do they call it? The, uh, the, you know, the cultural shock. 
Yes, yeah. And I remember distinctly, you know, being in our apartment in China for the first night thinking, I'm going to go and order noodles at the restaurant across the road. I've seen people do it. Mm -hmm. So I went across and I tried in my very bad Chinese unsuccessfully for about five minutes to explain what I wanted. Um, And uh, eventually uh, a very kind of kind man kind of steered me towards the restaurant and I figured out that he was asking me to point at what I wanted. And I saw a guy eating what looked like something that looked quite tasty. I just, one of those <laughs> twice. Mm. And, and we, we were off to the races and yeah, we, we got to know one another. My Chinese got much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that, that's, that, that starting point and being willing to use language and being willing not, you know, not to be afraid of communicating mm. is is something that everyone who's working overseas has to do but you have to realize as well that you're stepping into another land and and you need to you know take preparation mm. if i had my time again i would have done far more language preparation for mm. all of the places that i've worked um and but um i still would have gone and i still would have done it it's uh you know it's a really exciting exciting opportunity i think other you know pitfalls of working overseas it always comes with the organization. If you have a great organization mm. and, you know, I've worked for some great organizations, Wellington College in China, for example, where mm. I started with this, absolutely fantastic. You know, absolutely know what they're doing, well-organized. Mm-hmm. There was a, a bursa in charge called Ben Blackwood, who's now a bursa at uh, Dubai College. So, you know, really well-known school. He's a, you know, great guy. Um, and, uh, you know, things were just, they ran like clockwork. Um, and you knew that you were in safe hands because I think that's a little bit of that. There's a, a lot of anxiety if you're yeah. stepping in your country. Uh, and when you see that something is that well organized, it takes a little bit of that anxiety away, a little bit of that, you know, that timidity. And you think, OK, I can concentrate on doing what I'm here to do, which is be a teacher and you know, get these kids great grades. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that sounds like some really interesting kind of um unrealistic expectations that people kind of can take in terms of teaching internationally that there is going to be a language barrier and also a cultural barrier and it's trying to kind of adapt as much as possible isn't it and and lean into that yeah absolutely and I think as well sometimes um, you'll find that the cultural barrier is bigger in places where maybe you don't have a language barrier yeah in Dubai for example I found I had more culture shock in Dubai than I did in China that's really um, interesting. Uh, and it, it might be because, you know, Dubai is this giant kind of fruit salad of different cultures. Hmm. It might be that it was just so different to what I expected. It wasn't something. Uh, and there is a very, there's a quintessential kind of, you know, culture in Dubai that mm-hmm. that sometimes is is a bit kind of, you know, not, not necessarily um, uh, kind of flashy or uh, a veneer. But perhaps, you know, there are there's a there's a certain sense of of not being able to meet and be part of the real cultures that are there. Because there is there's a certain guard up. Um, And you have lots of diasporas of different cultures, the Egyptians Mm -hmm. and the Emiratis, obviously, Mm -hmm. the Saudis, the British, the Americans, the French, etc. And people tended to stay in their lane, which I found quite weird. Yeah. And quite uh, quite quite a shame so I tried to get to know as many people as I could and had great kind of fun with the Egyptians with some of the Emiratis the Saudis are amazing people the Bahrainis a really good friend from Bahrain I worked with for three years loved to bits amazing woman mm. um, and so these um, you know, getting to know these people and you start to they start to open up about their culture you start to learn more you start to feel more at home in yeah. what is a big kind of mixing pot of, mm-hmm. of different 
um, backgrounds, nationalities, ethnicities, religious backgrounds. So, and that, I think there's, there's elements there that really make you know the Middle East, where you have this big mix, a, a really special place. Um, but it, it was it was tough to get to that point because there was this you know, this idea of Dubai in front yes. of it. You have to kind of crack through. You have to remove all of the you know the the, the shopping malls and the hotels and go. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's some really cool people here. Yeah. There's some really interesting places. There's some really fascinating history, culture, language, food. Mm. Uh, some of the best Indian food I've ever had in my life has been in uh, in Dubai. So there's there's really interesting things to to explore if you're willing to go out and and seek out your tribe. I think. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible learning experience. That there's lots to learn from if you're willing to put that effort in and really try to learn as much from different people as possible. And so then how have your experiences teaching internationally driven your career path and, and your interests now? I, th- I think uh, I've become far more. So as a school principal, one of my my big things is language. You know, mm. uh, I want uh, language department to be big, to be thriving, to have as many languages as, as we can. Mm. I see language as a as you know in the UK. You know, I, I come from the UK. Uh, if you speak more than three languages in the UK, you're you know seen as some sort of mythical beast, or you mm. know you're burned as a witch. It's it's no, this is unnatural. We should not have this. Um, and yet, you know, I'm working with people today. One of my colleagues speaks nine languages and she doesn't think anything of it. I've got wow. students who speak five, six languages with with ease. Um, and it's it's absolutely vital. And and being an international, being international in this way has shown me that the absolute necessity to make sure that language is at the forefront of what we do, that communication is at the forefront of what we do as well. I think as well, I've I've looked at uh the the different you know ways of teaching the different opportunities there and 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 it's it's made me reflect more on how I see education and mm. you know, for me it's it's in three sections it's it's the context that we have to give students it's the uh, the connection with their subject and with their surroundings mm-hmm. um I think schools are often bubbles and you have to pop that bubble and get the kids out and get them meeting talking interacting with as many people as possible and giving them agency absolutely vital and then communication and giving them the tools to to do that i think in terms of my career you know i i moved from you know, uh being a, a start starting um a founding kind of a deputy head academic kind of de facto head of senior in in uh in dubai to to taking on the principal role here because for me i was looking at startup schools mm. and i developed you know it just makes me sound like the guy from taking a very special set of skills. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's. I think what you realise is when you start working for a startup school uh, that actually you can do lots of things. And at Wellington, I got to try lots of things, do lots mm. of things, get lots of experiences. And then I took that to Dubai and I did exactly the same thing. So Dubai, I was involved in marketing, I was involved in missions, I was involved in the, the setup of the academic programmes, involved in you know, designing new spaces for the, for the, for the students. Uh, and then coming into you know being a principal here, mm. same thing. There's lots that then are part of this this creation of a of an environment that's also that's not only for the students, but is also for the parents, is also for the teachers. Mm. So I think you know, working internationally, if you're willing to take that step forward and really push yourself, there's so many more opportunities that are available in in these uh international environments international schools and maybe would it would be in kind of home country uh opportunities 
And do you feel that then for international teachers or teachers who are looking to teach internationally and considering this as a career move, that those opportunities are available to them now if they were interested? Ooh, that they yes, can, yes. Yeah. God, there's there's so much happening at the moment. Mm. So I think there's there's different um, kind of ways to go. I think there's some really fantastic British boarding schools who are now opening uh, schools around the world. So mm -hmm. rugby school are a big one to watch out for. Mm -hmm. I think they've absolutely nailed on what they're about. So they've just opened one in Japan, as has Morven, as has, I think, Harrow. Um, so there's there's this, you know, there's different countries that are kind of coming online and are looking yeah. at international education more. Um, the same thing is happening in Southeast Asia. So mm -hmm. Vietnam, uh, Cambodia um, are both kind of starting to get more of the British boarding school, international mm -hmm. schools. I think China less so now. I think yeah. working in China is slightly more difficult now than it than it has been. Um, but the Southeast Asia, Japan, uh, Korea, where these markets are growing, uh, Saudi Arabia is is um, kind of opening up in a in a really exciting way. There's lots of schools that are opening there. Less of the kind of traditional boarding school, international schools that we, we we've been seeing um, over the past twenty years. Newer companies. Um, I mean, there's um, you know in in Riyadh alone, there's there's uh, there's there's really exciting yeah. new projects that are happening. Blenheim for example, um, and they are um, kind of taking on a new market. I think that market will expand and then contract, and then the ones that are really great will stick and then stay, and they'll be there you know, 10, 15, 20 years later. Um, at, more and more of these schools are opening. These um, big companies like Inspired and Cognita, um, and then the big kind of brands from the UK are looking mm -hmm. to open these schools. India especially is, is a massive yeah. market. And when they are looking to open, there's chances there for people to go in, even if you're going in as a head of department, if you're going in as your first middle management role, what yeah. you're doing is you're going in, but you're in at a position that allows you to really impact the development of the school. Yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, what I always tell you know, young teachers is find yourself projects, find yourselves, find yourself ways to demonstrate Number one, they're really cool and fun and you want to do and you're interested in, you know, be it language or science or whatever yeah. it may be. But these are ways that you can demonstrate to heads and governors and, and, and stakeholders later on of what you're good at. You don't need to do an extra you know, degree in educational leadership. What you need to do, be is an educational leader. Mm -hmm. International education at the moment gives people with, you know, kind of verve get up and go and and that energy and that desire and that talent the opportunity to do that yeah fantastic and I think that for young teachers or teachers who are maybe early in their career or looking for that change it sounds like there's some incredible opportunities if they if they're open to it is these international schools are looking for talented people yes so even if you are an NQT especially if maybe you've done an NQT if you've done a PGC and it's a career mm -hmm. change don't be afraid of looking at some of these these international yeah. schools because you know I this is where you know people start to and you have non-traditional ways of of finding staff, mm -hmm. you have people reaching out and trying to find good recommendations. And so they were you know, in the international sector, we're really looking for exciting people. And exciting people are not necessarily looking in the right places sometimes. Yeah. So so they should, you know, have that that faith to reach out. Sorry, I interrupted. No. 
<laughs> with that being said I was going to say so in these startups that you have worked in um they have produced some incredible opportunities for you what other challenges have you experienced in in these startups and, and particularly uh in Madrid yeah well um I mean in in Madrid I think there's you know here the challenge for the for for us was you know the because I came in right at the beginning, so I was I kind of worked very much on the intellectual property. How, what kind of school we're we launching? Mm. Working with people who understood the market, and yeah, this is one of the key things. If you're um, starting up, if you're coming to a new place, is the market there? Is the the need there? Are you solving a problem with what you're doing? If you're just another school, are people? Why would people come to you when yes. instead of yeah. staying where they are? So this is one of the things that we, we talked about initially. So that's always something to, to bear in mind. I think other issues on the personal side, it's always, you know, finding schools for your kids. You mm. know, is your, if your other half is not a teacher, you know, their their career path, what they're mm. doing with it and how that works. And I, I'm lucky in that, you know, we've had our family kind of later. So my children are kind of six, three and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have twins and I still have my hair. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, but, um, and so my wife is, uh, works in, in marketing and she's just, she's one of these people who can basically do anything. It's incredibly frustrating, but my grandmother <laughs> always said I should marry someone smarter than me. And I did. Um, and so she's, you know, now working in, you know, in, in marketing here in Madrid, she speaks Spanish and Chinese and numerous other languages. Wow, yeah. Um, but the, um, I think that, that considering the family sense of it, considering the, your kind of personal well-being as well, I think sometimes what we do is we launch ourselves at, you know, the next big thing without thinking, okay, what's that going to do to me? What's it going to mm. do to my family, my kids, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for me, I'm very, you know, settled here in Madrid, you know, taking this project forward. The kids are in a, you know, a local Spanish school. Their Spanish is much better than mine already. It's yeah. incredibly frustrating. <laughs> um, I think the, um, the, the I mean, other problems, if you're staying too long, sometimes you feel like you're being de-skilled yeah. because you're staying in a role. And this is mm-hmm. not something I've experienced, but other people have said this to me and they feel, yeah, yeah I'm getting bored. I need a new challenge. And they mm-hmm. see a new challenge as a new country when actually what you can do, going back to what I was saying earlier, find a new project, find yeah. a new thing, grab hold of it, do it, look and see where the gaps are in in, in the school that's there. And there, mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's a school, there's always gaps. Yes. There's always things that we can be doing. There's always things that we can be kind of taking on. Um, and you can do that as part of a you know, an MPQH or a, you know, a, a senior leadership qualification. Mm-hmm. We just, you do it for the sake of doing it because you want to see whether or not this actually has an impact on the kids. Yeah. Um, and that can also you know, involve... And and there are there are I mean there are really good ones to to get hold of. So, you know, my favourites have always been where we're involving you know parents and the local community. So in yeah. China we did this, in Dubai we did this, here we do this, um, and reaching out and getting local community into the school to you know, give something of themselves. And it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be brash, but it's it's rather connecting the students to that to the outside world. Mm-hmm. And that's a really simple you know thing to do yeah and by taking hold of it what you're doing is you know a young teacher that you kind of shove in the middle of this who's organizing all this becomes this linchpin becomes this person that the the parents then talk to they have this responsibility they're taking yeah. this 
this this forward um and it also gives something back to the kids so we do a, a, a parent seminar sessions and the parents come in they speak for you know we have a cup of coffee they go and kind of get organized and they speak for you know 10 minutes about what they do yeah. why they love it how they got there and what the kids can do if they're interested mm. and then the questions just get fired at them and it's brilliant yeah. Yeah, because what's happening is it completely demystifies this idea of you know being a lawyer or a doctor or yes, whatever. Yeah. Then also the parents come in with these amazing careers that you just haven't thought of. Mm. Promoter, and yes, this yeah. guy was brilliant. Yeah, it was very, very, very sexy. Five minutes of incredibly sexy, and he said, yeah, <laughs> "Give me a spreadsheet," and then starts going through the figures with them. And of course, all these kids have heard Ed Sheeran, but now they're wrapped. Yes. In this of, and and so it's this, and this is one of the, the great benefits of, of working in capital cities in you know, international, yeah. is you meet these new people and yeah. you can get them to be part of your student's journey. Yeah, oh, fantastic! I bet you had. You know, <laughs> they had hundreds of students then suggesting that they wanted to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there were yeah. a few who started thinking about that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, how have these experiences driven your values as a head? It's, I think, um, I've always been a Stoic. So, I read kind of Stoic philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have um, kind of a book of Seneca's essays by my bed. Um, I think it's it's very much it. I think for me, it's reinforced that. Yeah. Um, because there's always a crisis. There's always chaos. Um, yes. Which I'm perfectly okay with. It's something I'm, that doesn't really phase me as much as it used to. Mm. Um, and I think being international in this way, it's it it hones it down on what's really important. Um, and it's and it's the students at the centre of it. Be kind. Um, be of value. Um, yeah. to, the, to the students and the families uh, whenever you can yeah um you it's it don't take it personally I mean my three rules are very simple try not to take work home always be weirder than the kids and and never take anything personally sage because, advice <laughs> yeah because it's not personal it's really not it's mm. um but with that what you're doing is then on top of that you have that central focus which is what am I doing that's a value to these young people yeah um, and how can I get more value out of the team that I'm working with with mm. the parent body with the school the owners CEO whatever the structure is how can we get more here that gives these kids something and it doesn't always need to be a new shiny piece of kit yeah sometimes it can just be can I make the right connections can I get people talking in the right right way can I you know set something up that's going to help people see themselves slightly differently or see yeah. the world slightly differently and that's the that's a super important part I think of you know the classroom and that's you know where the magic really happens yeah oh some fantastic insight thank you um so I just wanted to finish our interview today by asking you a few quick fire questions Okay, now I'm terrified. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay, so number one, um, in-person or remote learning? In-person. Noisy or quiet classrooms? Noisy, always. <laughs> Your favourite subject? History. <laughs> a student... uh, with a bit of philosophy, sorry. Yeah. And a bit sorry. of philosophy, good. I would agree with <laughs> philosophy. Um, student sports day or student results day? Um, ooh. Sports day for the for the fun, um, results day for the smiles on their faces. Yeah. Uh, love of teaching or love of subject? Teaching. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to talk to you. What an interesting conversation.
And you, and I mean, I would say just as a final word, if you're thinking about going overseas, absolutely, you know, kind of investigate, do it. Um, do your research on on where you're going. Um, mm-hmm. Do your research on the company you're working for. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to people who've been out there um, and find people who will give you the you know the unvarnished truth of, of what it's like being in those different countries or working for those different companies. But there are you know thousands of us out there doing this, and you know there's definitely thousands of us loving it. Yeah. Good luck. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mary.